This episode is sponsored by Joe Inojosa, the Director of Operations at Rio Branding. Muchas gracias, Joe. Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. This is your host here, Natalie. Hey everyone, how is it going? I hope great. I hope everybody's staying warm in this cold weather. I'm so excited. This is episode two of season two. And I have a super special guest on this episode. Like I said before, I get super excited about all my guests, but I just finished talking to this one and recording with her and she is an amazing mujer. If you need to get some motivation, this is the episode to listen to. The one thing I just wanna mention before we bring her in is hard work. Hard work, hard work, hard work. Hard work always pays off. So let's go ahead and get started here. We are going to be bringing in Fabiola Urgel Capuroso. She's going to be talking to us about how she got to where she's at, what gave her the motivation, and things she does to help her stay focused. And of course, it's Valentine's Day weekend, so she's going to talk to us about her relationship. Let's go ahead and bring her in. Thank you so much, Fabiola, for being a guest on this podcast and to be willing to share the story of your journey with the listeners. The first question I have for you is, where were you born and raised? And can you tell us a little about your upbringing? Yes, I was born and raised in Piedras Negras, Coahuila, Mexico. It's a small border town with Eagle Pass, Texas. It's around five hours from here. I was born and raised in a loving family. My mom, my dad, and my sister, little sister, uh, Mariana. And my childhood was pretty normal. I went to the same school since I was one until 18 years old when I graduated high school. I do have to say that I've always been a nerd. <laughs> yeah, my, my former classmates can attest to it. I was always very interested in many activities. My mom, uh, poor thing, she couldn't keep up because I would be like, Mom, I want to learn violin. I want to ner- learn how to play piano. I want to learn how to dance, all different dances. And she she was always a sport. She always encouraged every single activity and she would let me figure out if I was in love with the activity or not. That was my childhood, pretty normal until I came to the to the United States when I was 19. Where did you move here in the U.S.? Where in the Valley? I moved here to attend college in, in Edinburgh. So that was a, the first place I lived, lived in the U.S., <laughs> Edinburgh, Texas. Can you tell us a little about where you went to school? Yes, I went to the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. I was actually the first graduating class of University of Texas, uh, Rio Grande Valley. I started UTPA. I graduated UTRGV, if you remember that, when we changed the name because of the merger. I studied economics, a BA in economics with a minor in communication studies. I had a passion for economics, but also I had a passion for for communications. I did the best of, of both worlds. I was very involved in school when I was in college. I was president of the Economic Society. I was also a center for the College of Business Administration. I participated in several competitions. And one of the fun facts is that when I was president of the Economic Society, we were approached to participate in this national competition to raise awareness about the national debt. And Dr. Davila, who was the, the chair of the Economics and Finance Department, he said, you guys have to do this. We have to put together a team. And because I was a president of the Economic Society, I was a team leader. We competed against these major universities, Duke, Northwestern, UT Austin, Rice, and we won. And because of that, we got an award of uh, $10,000 and we had the opportunity to meet President Clinton. And I, and I had the honor of giving an acceptance speech in front of 
three or four thousand people in Phoenix, Arizona. I remembered, and, and this is a funny story, when they first interviewed the team leaders, they called me from up to us and they said, hey, I, I saw that you were from Edinburgh. So is that like close to San Antonio? Is that outside San Antonio? And she was so nice and so gracious about it. And I remember saying, I'm going to make sure everybody knows where the, where the RGB is when that happened. And I mean, I'm pretty sure people know the RGB for other stuff. But Yeah. I, when I tell someone, you know, I'm from Edinburgh, they said, well, where's that? And I said, well, do you know where McAllen is? And <laughs> when I say McAllen, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I noticed that you're a published academic author. Can you tell us a little more about that? How did that happen and a little about the book? Yes. So actually, it's an article. But when I started college, I started college with the purpose of becoming a PhD in economics. So that was my goal. I did a lot of research, collected data. I thought and I was convinced that's what I wanted. That was part of my junior year. Yes, I was a junior in college when I started that research with, with two other professors, Dr. Terrence Martin and Dr. Gillamet from, from Texas Tech. And we wanted to see the impact of disability on retirement decision making. I was crazy about it because of that competition, that article, I was able to participate in several competitions. One of the places I presented that research was at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. When they saw me presenting my article, they fell in love with it. They called me, we had a conversation, and that landed me an, an internship with the Fed. That's when I realized that perhaps a PhD was not what I wanted to pursue but community development that later turned into banking, which is what I do right now. But I love data. I think data is the best is the best element you can use to make any decision into because the num numbers don't lie. Raw data does not lie. And as I mentioned, I've always been a big nerd. And that's why I had a passion for that topic. And specifically, I think I felt more in love with financial literacy when I moved to the Valley and I saw firsthand that the impact of not knowing and not fully understanding how finance works and how a bad financial decision can affect you for for years. That's awesome, Fabiola. I didn't know you meant President Clinton. And yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. And you know, your article that was published. So I have to ask you, can you share with us a little about what has been a big motivation for you throughout all those years and up to your career? Now you're the vice president of Vantage Bank. What has been motivating you this whole time? There's, there's a couple of motivations. So I grew up in a working class family. I grew up um, in a family where my mom and dad had to work to make ends meet. And however, because my parents were huge believers in education, they sacrificed everything so that my sister and I could attend the best schools. And I grew up going to a private school and I met, you know, very wealthy individuals. And I soon realized that I could also have that if I worked hard for it. I could make an impact and I could also have access to that. And my parents were the best example. So my family has been my motivator, giving back to them, giving back a little bit of all the sacrifices they've made so that I could go to the best schools in Mexico and that I could come here to the United States and, and study here. And secondly, I would say that one of the biggest motivators has been being a, an independent woman, being a woman that could uplift herself and, in, and uplift others and inspire others and, and give back yeah. to my community, give back to, to my gender, because I think that's, that's very important to show that 
we can all achieve what we set our mind to through hard work. There is there is no magic. <laughs> it's it's hard work. So hard work, guys. Hard work. <laughs> yes, I cannot stress it enough. Can you tell us a little about the journey to you becoming the vice president at Vantage Bank, Texas? Yes, I I love this. I love talking about a Vantage Bank. <laughs> it's, it's it's we're a great big family. That's that's what we are. I don't say my coworkers. I say my family. I actually joined Vantage Bank. I signed my contract the Monday after I graduated college. I graduated on a Saturday. Fun story: as I was graduating, the head of HR at that time for Vantage called me and said that the CEO guy within wanted to meet with me as I was walking the stage. I was about oh, to get on the stage, and they were like, "We know you said that you don't want to talk to about this after your your graduation weekend, but he's going to be busy and he's going on a trip, and if you don't see him on Monday, you will not be able to see him, and he really wants to meet." you and I was like okay um, sure and I was of course in in McAllen Edinburgh at that time so I went to to San Antonio with my mom and my sister and I met with Guy Guy Bodine and after two hours of talking with him I was convinced that Vantage Bank was the right move he introduced me to the CFO and the COO before that I had a lunch with a director for Vantage Bank and my former boss however After I talked to Guy, I would say that that was the moment when I realized that banking could be the right way to make an impact in the world. Maybe not in the whole world, but but with businesses and small business owners in my country and in the United States as well. I started working as a credit analyst. After a year, I was offered a position in McAllen. So I was in San Antonio at the time. I started working in San Antonio, and they asked me to if I wanted a lending position in McAllen. Honestly, I think that was the first time in my life that I've hesitated a decision. It was like, okay, do I want to go back? Do I want to stay in San Antonio? I literally had just bought furniture from my apartment, and I said, okay, this is it. I'm not moving because I had been moving ten times for the past six years, and I'm not making this up. So I was tired of moving. <laughs> and the month after I bought all this nice furniture um, that was offered to me, and I remember my my former boss said, okay, so where do you think you're going to accomplish what you want? here or in McAllen? What's going to make you be closer to your goal? And that's when I decided to move here. That's when I accepted the, the job offer. I moved back to the Valley and that was in 2017. So it's been it's been four years since I said that yes. And from that point on, it's been nothing but hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of staying up late, waking up really early, being the, the first one in, the last one out. And as I mentioned, there is no magic formula. And I do have to say that I have a tremendous support system at work. I cannot emphasize that enough. I have a boss, well, two bosses that believe in me a lot. They constantly say, we are here for you. What do you need? How can we mentor you? How can we help you? They told me the good news that I was going to become the vice president. It was July 2020. And you know, 2020 was a crazy year. Many things were going crazy. We were working a thousand hours, a thousand miles per hour. We were doing these uh, PPP loans to help small business owners. I kid you not, for the entire month of April 2020, I was sleeping three to four hours a day tops because my goal was to do as many PPP loans as possible so that I could help. That's how I felt that was my way of helping business owners. And sure enough, hard work pays off. 
Definitely. And I know you mentioned, Fabiola, the word goal quite often. So I wanted to ask you, how important is it to you to have goals? Oh, it is. It is very important. <laughs> I always set goals. And my mom says that I was doing it since I was very, very little. Since I was probably three years old, that's the first time she, she realized that I was a goal setter <laughs> and a goal getter. I apply it honestly to all areas in my life. I like to set goals and I like to create steps. Of course, some things you cannot create steps for. Some things, because the road changes a lot and life is not a straight line, it's a roller coaster. But I like to start my week, for example, every Sunday I create a list of tasks that I have to accomplish by a certain date. I am I'm very visual. I have to have my, my notepad and I have this awesome to-do list that has priorities by day and by hours. And I rely heavily on that because I like to set myself goals so that I know the direction where I'm going and what has to, to be done. And then as, as you get busier, you realize that that's the only way to keep up with all the things that you have in your plate. How big are you on self-care? Is it something you practice? And if so, which type do you practice the most? Yes, I am. I am big on self-care. However, I, I just adopted that recently as in um, a year and a half ago. I train three times a week. I have an amazing trainer. Um, shout out to Agustin. He's great. <laughs> and I do uh, powerlifting. And that helps me not only physically to maintain my body, but also mentally. It gives me a lot of sanity. Also, I always, I, I become more and more conscious about what I eat and having a set amount of time to sit down and enjoy a nutritious meal. My best friend is a nutritionist and she gives me a lot of nutritional support. Also, I always make sure that my husband and I have alone time and that we have we spend quality time with each other because that's another way of maintaining my, my mental health. I make a lot of time to read and to read things that I love, not always things that, you know, that make me learn, but I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Latin American authors and Isabel Allende. So I make time to read the books and just some alone time because it can get very crazy and very busy. One of the things I do that gives me a lot of it centers me a lot is that every day I call my mom and my dad on my way to the gym or on my way back to the gym or I take a coffee break and I call my mom and my dad and I just chat with them and that helps me so much because it, it reminds myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. I always talk to myself. This is so weird. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I go in front of the mirror and I have these talks with myself and I tell myself, you can do it. Look how far you've gone. Breathe, relax. And just those things that might seem like small things, but it's, it's a ritual and it helps me a lot. And I've learned to be easier on myself. Oh, yeah, you can't see me, but I'm writing these things down. <laughs> uh, nutrition, powerlifting, read. Yes. The next question I have, it's, it's Valentine's Day weekend. There's a lot of women that are practicing self-care for Valentine's Day. They don't have a Valentine. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to practice self-care and, and give some a gift to themselves. You know, do something like go to the spa or do something for themselves. But I know you have a significant other. So I wanted to ask about your relationship status and how is that going? And what will you be doing for Valentine's Day? Yes, uh, yes, I do have a Valentine and uh, I have a husband. <laughs> His name is Joseph, Joseph Caparuso. 
he is an amazing husband he's an amazing life partner and but he's also a doctor so as you can imagine he's super busy he's swamped out of the week he has this day that is called admitting day that is his absolute busiest day and those days he usually leaves home like at five and he comes back at 9 9 30 p.m in at night guess what <laughs> admitting day for him lands on valentine's day so <laughs> we are really hoping that he gets back so that we can go have some um, tacos because we're, we are both taco lovers but I'm having brunch with some of my closest friends and my little sister so that we can celebrate Valentine's because it's also about friendship and I'm big on my tribe and my friends and my my girls I do have to say that I know this is going to sound super cheesy but with Joseph every day it feels like like Valentine's Day and we are that couple that I swore I was never going to be, you know, those that they cannot stop hugging each other and, and we even have a special language, but he'll kill me if I share it. So we got married in June 2020, the civil ceremony, and right now we're planning our big wedding in November of this year. How is that going, planning the wedding? It's been way more relaxing than I thought, thank God. Um, yeah. I haven't turned into a, a Bertzilla, but I do think that it helps that I was talking to, to my best friend this morning and I was telling her, look, I don't care if the decorations or the, you know, all the things, I'm not in love with them. If by some reason everything turns out the opposite way of what I wanted, because the one thing I'm in love with is, and the one that should matter the most is Joseph. And, and we're in love with each other and the rest is just an extra. The last question I have for you, Fabiola, is if you could give advice to a young girl who hopes to flourish in a banking career as you have, what kind of advice would you give her? Um, that's a lovely question. If I could tell one thing to every uh, young woman out there or woman in general out there that is thinking about a banking career or any career, would it be to just not doubt herself so much. And that happened to me. I've learned to turn those doubts down and I've learned to believe in myself. And it sounds so easy, but it takes so much courage when you have when you have so many obstacles and when you see, you know, social media and whatnot and there and lives that look so perfect and or or people that look so accomplished and we all started from zero. We all started from scratch and it is okay to have doubts. It is okay to, to be afraid, but you cannot let that freeze you into not taking action. And also knowing that mistakes are going to happen. I always tell younger women that I mentor, hey, we all make mistakes. I make probably mistakes on the daily. I just learn from it. I own it, but I don't let that define me. Because if I would have let every single mistake I've made along the way define me, I would not be where I am. And if I would have listened to the doubts in my head, into the perfection paralysis in my head, I would not have progressed in life. So it is okay to be afraid. It is okay to have doubts, but the best things are always on the other side of fear. And it's funny, I learned this watching a, a video because Joseph and I were going, we jumped out of, of a plane. I saw this, this amazing video that said that the best things in life are on the other side of fear. So you should just jump, take a leap of faith, and claim what it's already yours. Oh, I love that. Totally agree with that. And sometimes it's hard once you do it. You know, what if it all works out, right? 
Yeah, it's crazy because almost every single person I, I talk to, we always go back to this conversation about how come it's always easier to believe that the worst is going to happen, not to believe the best can happen. Okay, what if it goes wrong? Yeah. But what if it goes right? And like you said, even if it does go wrong or not how you thought it would go, just don't be so hard on yourself. You're trying. At least you're trying, right? And honestly, all the things that have not gone initially the way I wanted them to go, they were life lessons and they prepared me. Yes to where I am right now in life, personally and professionally. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I really appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. You don't know how grateful I am. And thank you so much, Fabiola, for taking time to be such a special guest. I really appreciate everything you shared. Remember, please stay safe out there. Cuidado, por favor. This is Natalie, your host. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye-bye.